And we're live in three, two, one. I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear podcast. Daily jazz advice coming at you. Now, we're not technically live. We are uh, speaking live to each other, and this is recorded. So that may go with the topic of today, which is seven great live recordings. Yes. I can't believe we haven't done this episode before. And I know. Well, we don't really check, so we could very well re- be repeating. But I don't, I don't think we have, have we? I don't think we have, no. no. But th- this is, I mean, so many classic records are live recording. Some of these records have definitely made our other... Uh, seven lists. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very interesting. Well, I mean, you know, there's a certain type of jazz connoisseur. I, I don't know if if we individually or together actually like this, but this kind of hardcore, maybe even into the jazz police category, where like they think that the only true jazz recordings are live recordings. Like the, that jazz has to be consumed in a live situation. That studio recordings are somehow, you know, watered down versions. I mean, honestly, I kind of get that. Because yeah. jazz is so immediate, and some of the best—I mean, honestly, the best music I've seen has been live. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's nothing like it. Yeah. But I mean, studio recordings—I think when you have groups of musicians that have that kind of mentality of spirit of the of the music is the same as if they were playing live uh, in the studio, that that can certainly be represented well. But today, these are all true live recordings with audiences. Uh, that have been documented, loved, and uh, over the years, and uh, let's kick it off. I guess I'm going to kick it off, aren't I? Kick it off. What do you got? Okay, for so one? number one, I've got uh, Miles Davis Quintet live at the Blackhawk Friday and Saturday night. Originally different, separate LPs, but I've seen them packaged together a lot, so we'll kind of consider them together. I love Saturday. Friday was great too, uh, but you know you've got you know um, Jimmy Cobb. Winton Kelly. This is 1961, I believe. Man, such a good band. Um, Hank Mobley, um, Paul Chambers, of course, the great Paul Chambers, and you know the Blackhawk, which I don't know a lot about the club. I believe it was in San Francisco. I know Bay Area, um, but the sound is just so great on this record. The band is just firing. I mean, this is definitely those. I mean, it's it's great how they called it Friday and Saturday night. Yeah, super you cool. really get that feeling that it's a club thing. Now, one thing I do know, I don't know how common this knowledge is. Well, you can hear it on the recordings. I remember figuring this out when I was a kid. You know, there's some editing on there, surprisingly. And it's they're pretty rough edits because it's live. You don't have any separation. Like during the tunes? During the tunes. I didn't yeah. notice that. Yeah, now I think on I've heard on later versions that they um added back in. I know I've heard maybe there were alternate takes added in the edited oh, parts, which cool. I'm never a big fan of that because, well, it's like you get used to it the original way. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I love hearing those original versions. But there's like a couple choruses taken, and there were good choruses. I think it's like a Winton Kelly solo that starts, but they, they took out a chorus at the beginning to make it a little more I wow, don't know, clean okay. or something. Yeah, Man, you yeah. know, that's that's a hard one because there. Are, I, when I think of Miles' live recordings, I, I immediately go to Plug Nickel. Oh yeah, you know, which yeah. is his later band, and yeah, also but what, just a couple years later, I just mean, a couple like, years. Yeah. But they're both great. Blackhawk is insanely good. Yeah. All right, so for my first pick, I'm going to pick uh, Jaco Pastorius's birthday concert. Mm. This is one of the most fun live albums you'll ever hear. It starts with. Uh, the I am saying like I'd like to thank my mother who's here tonight. You know, and <laughs> yeah. he's, they go into the chicken, and it's just so funky and so clean. That you you're like, is this really live? <laughs> um, also, shout out on this record to one of my favorite uh, uh, Jocko tunes. I don't, wait, is this a Jocko tune? Even three views of a secret. You know this tune? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. man, yeah, beautiful, that's yeah, beautiful yeah. tune. Uh, beautiful ballad. Love that. 
Um, every the whole thing though is is just killing. So yeah, check good it out. stuff. Somebody's calling with a, I think their own uh, <laughs> request on this. All right, can I go with number three here? Is that go cool? with number three? Okay, we're gonna go Ahmad Jamal uh, live at the Pershing. I was just looking it up because I was just like, is it at the Pershing? I was trying to remember the name. Of course, it's but not for me is the name of the original album. That's right. But it's like Ahmad Jamal at the Pershing. But not for me. That's Colon, right. but not for me. The great Ahmad Jamal and his trio. This is um, 1958. And this is so great. Back then it was like recorded in 1958 and released in yeah, 1958. released two <laughs> weeks later. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I, I don't know a lot about this club either, but that's like such an intimate sound. It's like you feel like you know it. Yeah. And I was thinking, I was like, what part of town is it in? I don't, I don't know. But it was at the Pershing Hotel. And, um, it's in Chicago, right? It's in Chicago. And they recorded a bunch of stuff. It couldn't all fit on the original record. This is another one where they've released different things. But a lot of his sort of legendary, you know, Surrey with the Fringe on top, and but not for me, like those great trio original um, arrangements that were so influential to other pianists and trios, but also to Miles Davis and Sonny Rollins and a lot from an arranging standpoint and whether it was fleshed out to larger groups and stuff. But I think that, you know, in a lot of ways, Ahmad, great studio recordings too, but I think he really showed well on these live recordings like at, like i mean just like oscar peterson too great in the studio but wow to be live. able to feel like you, especially if you didn't get like i saw oscar peterson live but i never saw a module oh no what am i talking about of course i saw a module all live. <laughs> i saw him recently but i mean this trio this i never trio. saw yeah so i felt like i did though through these recordings i mean the, i think this record is one of the greatest jazz records of all time and sometimes when i'm when i'm playing a club and there's you know the club noise which happens a little whispering maybe yeah. some quiet talking some plates banging yeah. together i remember like oh those are noises that are on live at the <laughs> Pershing. So right. like, don't get too big for your britches. That's right. You know I mean? Or you could think about it as, I'm as good as Ahmad Jamal. <laughs> See? People are, there's a cash register. That's what I tell myself. Nice. All right, so this next one, this was recorded a long time ago. Uh, this, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Monk and Coltrane live at Carnegie Hall, but it wasn't released till I think, 2006. Hold on. I'm going to yeah, do yeah, a little was, sleuthing here. No, I think that's around the time. And I remember when I, this was another one like we were talking about the other day with, um, the, the new Coltrane stuff from 63 that's coming out soon, you know, uh, with Johnny Hartman. And, and, well, they're saying that there's some unreleased stuff, which is great. But this one was I was a little bit skeptical of because I was like, how could there be something that I, I was like, I knew the music was going to be great um, or at least at a high level. But I wasn't sure about the sound and stuff. And this is a great sounding record, great concert. And I don't know how this kind of sat there unreleased, but it but it did. Sorry, I'm stealing your thunder. No, no, here. no. I mean that's the thing. So it got re it got recorded November 29th, 1957, and it was released September 27th, 2005. It just was found, I think, some in some archive yeah. in the Library of Congress. And uh, Man, they're so slow about their card cataloging system. They didn't get to it till 2005. Well, you know what's so special about this is that for years and years, and I don't, I don't know if you remember hearing about that record, of not the record, but about Coltrane's stint with Monk at the Five Spot. Yeah. Right? And so Monk did a record live at the Five Spot, but yeah. it was not with Coltrane. It was with um, Johnny Griffin. Johnny Griffin. Yep, yep. And so, you know, people were clamoring to hear anything from more with Coltrane and Monk. Cause yeah. There's just not that much. There wasn't. I'm trying to think of other live. There's some great studios. Those two records from studio that were, but that you know, my, um, Monk and Coltrane that are just incredible. But I, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, man, jump I'm in. Whenever excited. You, but this, uh, you know, this recording. If this was released in 1957, yeah. it would have been a all-time classic. I yeah. think the 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 level of playing is so high from everybody, including the rhythm section, man. Uh, Ahmad Ab Abdul-Malik yep. on bass and Shadow, Shadow Wilson, Wilson killing right. on the drums. Exactly. This, to me, is my favorite version of Evidence, my favorite version of Epistrophe. Like, yeah. There's so many good 
versions of those songs but these there's something about it man it's and you so know cool. i mean a lot has been written about this and it's pretty much known but i don't know if the young folks are up on this coltrane's development during that time he played with monk was stratospheric and i don't know <laughs> if that's a word or if i'm using it the right but you know what i'm saying i know I mean, exactly like that was like saying. some rapid development and there you know he, a lot of times monk isn't necessarily recognized or given credit for what i i believe the impact his music and playing with him in that quartet situation did on Coltrane's musical vision. You know, I know Coltrane talked about it for sure, but um, <clears throat> such a big part of the lineage. It had to have a huge impact. He, yep. He's such a huge force. Yeah. All right. So next we have uh, Bill Evans' Waltz for Debbie. So yes. This, if you do not know, this is actually a live album recorded at the Village Vanguard. Right. Um, there's so much uh, that's deep with this album. Uh, so the bass player on it is Scott LaFaro, who died in a car accident just 10 days after this was recorded. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I know this he was is, young, but... This is really a heavy, heavy moment in the history of, of really jazz. I mean, this is a big a big deal record. Yep. And all the stories and things aside, the, the lore of the Vanguard, all that aside, it's just a really great sounding record. Th- that trio was obviously at its pinnacle. You know, it starts with an unbelievably heart-wrenching version of My Foolish yeah. Heart, which I've ripped off so many voicings off that. You're not the only pianist. <laughs> <laughs> and just like hit after hit after hit. Waltz for Debbie, D- Detour Head, My Romance, Some Other Time, Milestones. That's the original track listing. Yep. It's all killing it's all energetic it's all incredibly uh interactive and uh, great great report open studio jazz lessons from jazz legends now i've been meaning to ask you about that is it even possible to learn jazz from an online jazz course I believe it is, and I think now we have a little bit of validation in the form of the New York Times. I don't know if you've heard of that publication. It rings a bell, yeah. <laughs> We're very excited um, on September 15th to have an, an opinion article written by one of our students, Elias Muhana, um, pretty much delineating uh, his experience of learning and expanding his jazz knowledge online through our platform. It was so cool to read, to read about Elias's experiences. You know, he came and he, he sat in on our recording session and we talked to him and, and you just never know how people are using the platform. But he, uh, he gives such a great description of how he uses Open Studio and how he's progressed using uh, your lessons. And uh, it's really amazing. I, I encourage everybody to check out that article. Yeah. And, and, you know, reading it for me really validated a lot of what we were doing here, but also got me thinking of ways that we can further um, uh, expand our offerings. And, and for me, in terms of bringing on new artists and the ones that we already have, really doubling down what, on what I think we do um, great, which is inspire and, um, and, and give folks that are coming to learn things for them to teach themselves to work on themselves in the practice room as the weeks go by that's great open studio jazz lessons from jazz legends Yeah, well, and I mean, that trio with, you know, Paul Motion, Scalafaro, Bill Evans, you know, certainly one of the most legendary piano trios in terms of a unit. We really think, I mean, individually amazing players and, of course, Bill Evans, but we think about that, the interplay that they had, you know, along the lines. You were talking about a Maj Jamal trio and not, not at all about rate, ranking them, but just where you kind of know that you're at this special combination of musicians. And this was a real peak and pinnacle for them. And I think that they love, they did several other uh, live recordings that are out there 
uh, that are great too at the Vanguard. Obviously, they love playing there, and, and, and it's such a great setting for an intimate piano trio, and it just records so well there. Nice. Yep. So what do we got? That was four, right? Those. I mean, it feels like we did like thirty. No, that's are, five, man. Oh, that's five. That's but it's still, five. That, those are some heavy recordings. I will right, we'll try to get through. Let's, these let's, let's get a little more modern. Okay. Is that possible? So a little more modern. This okay. is uh, an album by our friend Jeffrey Keezer. Yes. Uh, this is called uh, Wildcrafted Live at the Dakota. Yeah. Great club. Um, this is great club. One of the the uh, the the better jazz clubs in the Midwest, if not the country. Yeah. Big shout out to Minneapolis. Definitely. Uh, Keep this, on freezing. <laughs> this was a Max Jazz record. I think both of us were recording for Max Jazz when this record That's came, right. came yeah. out. That's right. I believe I was given this from the founder. I was too. Great Richard McDonald. He handed me this CD and I was very excited. This might be in a suitcase of mine still. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, uh, but it's an amazing, amazing CD. So, you know, I always have really loved Keezer's playing, but it hasn't been until really recently we've gotten to know him here through Open Studio and his courses that, he do, that he's done that I've really checked out all of his, his trio records and... I'm telling you, man, this first track, Stopping at the Savoy, just go check it out because yeah. it is so good. <laughs> like right. it's so he's playing so much great music. Uh your your friend Terry on Gully is on drums. Yep. And uh, E St. Louis finest. T yeah, Gully. Tank. Right. What's uh, up, T? And he's just killing it on this track. So check it out. Uh, Who's on bass on that? Who's that? Uh Matt Cloisi. Yeah, I don't know him. I don't either. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great stuff, and that's that's a great club. Um, Lowell, Lowell Pickett, I believe, is the proprietor. Shout out to Lowell. Yeah, man, it's just one of those places that's been around for a while now. I remember playing there kind of early '90s with Roy Hargrove, and it was relatively new then. And now it's like you know it stood the test of time. But yeah, I think Keezer is such a great. Um, pianist to hear in a live situation so you're getting from a live recording he's got some fantastic studio recordings of well as well of course um but he's such the real deal that when you hear him live it's almost like he goes into that next level and just cuts loose and um yeah yeah major player definitely one of my favorite modern live recordings all right so rounding it out at number seven okay so this we were talking about going back and forth on this and i think i'm gonna uh, go with our original instinct which is duke ellington live at newport 1956 now this is <clears throat> Can't really say I'm going out on a limb on this one no. in terms of picking live recordings. So it's a little bit fitting that it'd be either number one or number seven. But this is another one of those records that I mean, so much hype about this recording, but so well deserved. Lore, yeah, lore. And I mean, this was to think this was recorded at a time when like the jazz festival was not even really a thing because this was '56, I believe. Newport started in like '55, so it wasn't even like an established thing. And Monterey Jazz Festival was right around that same time. So I mean, really, this is the beginning of what people didn't even really know what a jazz festival was. <laughs> right. It wasn't a thing. Right. It was just setting up a stage outside. So you want to tell the story about the the legend of this particular recording and this and this that one cut, right? This is in Ken Burns' jazz documentary, right? Everybody starts to leave. Right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because you got a good flow. You talking I'm about sorry. the Paul Gonzalez yeah, yeah, no, I'll, solo? <laughs> I'll take it. Because I can't actually. Yeah, they leave, but then they come back when they heard his solo. Was it like fifty choruses or something? I mean, I might be exaggerating a little bit, but it's long. I mean, Twenty-seven chorus okay, solo 27. by, by Gonzalez. Yeah. So apparently, the the crowd had started to kind of exit, and. Gonzalez uh, just starts building and building and building and just really goes at it. I think it was just a blues, right? Yeah. And I mean, 27 choruses later, yeah. you know, the the crowd is on their feet. Everybody's back. Crescendo in blue. Yep. Crescendo in blue. Yeah. And the jazz, the modern jazz festival is, uh, is formed. That's right. So. What a way to kick it off. Thank I you try to do that now at every festival I play. <laughs> 27, 27 choruses of saxophone solo. <laughs> Adam Mann, that's right. That's right. 
Well, this was cool, but I'm glad we still have some, you know what? I think if we go a little deeper, we're going to find some other seven lists. If you guys, of course, have any, any requests, let us know of ones that we have done or not have done. Either way. Yeah. Right? It's all good. We'll do them again. Yeah. And until tomorrow, you'll hear it. Thank you.